Even as my heart thudded, and my feet ached, and my frightened thoughts yammered in my brain telling me I was a fool, my nose was busy parceling out the scents and smells of Rome. You can't turn off a cook's nose. My whole life was fracturing around me like one of those impractical Murano goblets that break the instant you look at them. But my nose was happily telling me, manure, yes, from all the carts, oxblood. My, you don't get that in Venice. Let's see, that smell there feels like sun baking on marble. And what's that dusty sweet scent? Incense. Yes, incense, of course, considering there's a church or a shrine in every piazza in this city. Even with my eyes shut, my ever-busy cook's nose could have told me I was no longer in Venice. Venice was sulphur and brick, and the hot, melting sand smell of sun on glass. Rot rising from the canals, and salt from the lagoon. Venice was home. Not anymore, I reminded myself grimly, as I passed the Ponte Sant'Angelo, where they hung the bodies of those thieves less fortunate than me. Those, in other words, unfortunate enough to get caught. I saw one fresh corpse, a thief who had had his hands and ears chopped off and strung about his neck before being hanged. He had a smell too, the rich stink of rot. Beside the thief was a heretic who had been hanged upside down and was now little more than a few picked bones. The crows were busy all over the bridge, pecking and gulping, and I said a quick prayer that they'd never peck and gulp at my bones, which at the moment was far from certain, and for a moment I thought my queasy stomach would heave up what little food I'd been able to afford that morning. But then I saw my goal, the Cardinal's Palazzo, rising rich and arrogant, midway between the Campo di Fiori and the Ponte Sant'Angelo. Can't miss it, the sour old walnut in the apron had told me. Not with that huge shield over the door. Got a bull on it. What kind of crest is that for a man of God? And even if I'd missed the bull, there was no mistaking the crush of people flowing through the great doors. Ladies in figured velvets and air-light veils, clerics in red and purple robes, young dandies with jewels on their fingers, and those huge slashed sleeves. Yes, a wedding party awaiting the arrival of the bride. Those grand double doors weren't for me, not in my two small shoes and the patched, ill-fitting dress I'd gotten used off a vendor who'd tried to tell me the stains at the hem were embroidery and not old mud. But there's always a separate entrance for servants and deliveries, and soon I was knocking on another door. This time, I didn't even have time to pat the little bundle under my skirt and mutter a prayer before the door was wrenched open. Thank the Madonna Maestro, your... The young man in the apron broke off, staring at me. Who are you? Carmelina Mangano. I felt a lock of short black hair spring loose on my forehead, the heat frizzing it out from under the headdress I'd improvised from another length of stained cloth. My cousin, Maestro Marco Santini. Yes? 
the apprentice said eagerly. You know where he is? I was hoping you could tell me. Oh, God in heaven, the boy moaned. He flitted out to play Zara this morning. Just around, he said, no more than an hour, just to relax him before the feast. Saints, help us. It's been hours now and we're sunk. Sounded like Marco was up to his old tricks. A nose for sauces and a hand for pastry. My father had often complained about my cousin and nothing between the ears but cards and dice. But the apprentice had turned away from the door, yammering and moaning to a cluster of flower-apron serving girls, and my nose started swooning. Saffron. Sweet Santa Marta. How long had it been since I smelled saffron? Or the sweet sizzle of duck being turned on a spit.